0: Be Here or say you now. You heard that right. One more Raptors game to round off what has become a surprisingly magical regular season. One that started with the loss of perhaps the greatest Raptor of all time, Kyle Lowry, who, of course, returned last week. One which started with no big signings one which started with expectations of retooling rebuilding and for a time maybe even tanking one that started with an opening record of 14 and 17 in the opening 13 31 games a defensive record which lay around 20th for much of the season but then the raptors worked it out and Nick Nurse somehow managed to make this group of 6 foot 9 long boys one of the most deadly teams in the Eastern Conference. This is Balling in the Six. And what better place to start than perhaps with the only loss of this seven-game streak since the last episode? The return of Kyle Lowry to Toronto. He hadn't played in the Six since February 28th, 2020. And perhaps ESPN summed it up best when they said he held back his tears and then took care of his old teammate. 16 points and 10 assists in the classic Kyle performance uh, in Toronto. And it was a typically scrappy game between the two. It shows that these two playoff bound teams simply do not want to face each other. And as permutations stand, thankfully, they will not, at least in the first round. But... It doesn't mean that we can't still take lessons from this game. And perhaps ignoring the fact that it was such an emotional return for Lowry, this did typify some of the mid-season struggles for the Raptors so far, namely the bench contribution. Now, of course, we know Miami's bench and Miami's depth in general is famously strong and has been for a while. Tyler Harrow, of course, on track to win sixth man of the year. But interestingly enough, despite, you know, the woes of the likes of Duncan Robinson, it was Victor Oladipo who was returning from a long-term injury who absolutely killed the Raptors in that second half. He went six from nine from deep in Miami overall in the second half. After going six of 20 from three in the first, went 12 of 18. In the second, Nick uh, downed his defence, said we didn't play defence worth a darn. And, you know, you compare it to the Raptors bench, which in recent times we've talked about that sort of now strong eight, nine man rotation going into the playoffs. It's the first time they didn't really contribute when it comes to scoring points. I mean, we're not going to complain about seven rebounds from Thaddeus Young, eight from Boucher, but you know, they combined overall for 13 points. And against a team like Miami, which is going to limit you, you need every everything you can get, especially when likes of Ken Burns aren't scoring at all. But, and I'm not making excuses here, you could see that for a lot of this Raptors roster, you know, you look at Van Vliet, you look at Siakam, you look at Boucher, um, you know, the return of Larry might have emotionally thrown things off. I mean, there was one beautiful moment where Van Vliet drove right at Kyle Lowry, right as former mentor, and you could see his smile uh, after he scored the layup on him. And, you know, you look at that and sometimes that can work the other way as well. You know, you can get distracted by that nostalgia, that emotion that comes through, and not necessarily be on top of your game. And I think if you look at the fact that this was, as we said, the only L in the Raptors' last seven games. Of course, the Raptors winning 14 of their last 17 games. Not used to losing, especially after that initial glut of losses post-All-Star break. This could definitely be a factor. But, lest we move on. No better game to move on to than the game that actually clinched a playoff spot for the Raptors. No such thing as a play-in for these boys from Toronto, as they swept aside the atlanta hawks 118 108 and of course it's been a pretty disappointing season for the hawks relative to their talent relative to their recent record and we've talked about this in other episodes but if you focus on the raptors purely um you'll notice one trend perhaps that played itself out early in the season but that they were not able to resolve through other means and that of course is the three-point shooting You have Fred Van Vliet going 2 from 12 from behind the arc. You have Gary Trent Jr. 1 from 6. And overall, the Raptors own 9 of 35, 25.7% from behind the arc. This was a trend, actually, in the last few games before this as well. But earlier in the season, they didn't have Pascal Siaka on all NBA form. And in this game, it was perhaps a microcosm of what he brings to the theme. 31 points of 12 of 23 shooting. 13 rebounds, 6 assists, a steal, and a block. Pretty much bailed out his teammates there. Because as we said, Van Vliet and Gary Trent didn't have their best scoring games. Van Vliet chipped in with 9 assists, but, you know. And of course, Gary Trent, plus 19 on the floor. But it required Siakam and required that new-look bench. Chris Boucher with 18. And Precious Chua with 11, plus 21 on the floor. He was the highest plus-minus for anyone on the court that night and i think with the exception of of course og coming back in and discounting the sort of few minutes that malachi Flynn and banton got these are the sort of minutes that maybe we'll see the team get you know maybe you might see ken birch move down to the bench maybe you might see a barnes start on the bench um, but overall, you know, you're looking for those three guys, Thad, Boucher, Precious to sort of play 15, 20 minutes. And you're looking for your starter Siakam Van Vliet to play 40, Gary Trent to play 35, Scotty Barnes 35. And Ken Burch sort of be that, maybe that starting center in, in, in each quarter uh, and maybe chipping around for 16 minutes. And OG, of course, we don't know as of yet whether it will be in full form. We do know that he is back and back playing, but... Whether he is completely ready by the first round, we don't know yet. Regardless, though, it was quite fitting that the Raptors managed to clinch the playoff spot in this game. And again, quite fitting that in the next game, they played perhaps their most likely opponent. Of course, the Raptors to either face Boston Celtics or the Philadelphia 76ers in the first round. And I think if you look at recent games and we won't go too much into the Boston Celtics game, At the start of this this, uh, run, the 115-112 overtime win, that was mainly against Boston role players. No Tatum, no Jalen Brown. Can't really tell too much from that. But what it did show is that Boston have depth pretty much from 1 to 10. And there's no star players there. Now, throughout his tenure as Raptors head coach, what Nick Nurse has managed to do, whether you look at the 2019 finals, whether you look at simply number of games during this regular season, whether against the the Nuggets or the Nets, he knows how to guard teams that have one particular star player. And of course, with Philly, I know you've got James Harden there, but you've got to stop Embiid. And there was a lot of doubts, and we pretty much, I think we've brought this up in every episode, doubts over whether... The Raptors lack of height can deal with these elite 7 footers and we've discovered time and time again, at least post All-Star break, that they can. And they showed this once again, hosting Philadelphia at home, Joel Embiid may look pretty good on the box score, 30 and 10. What they don't show you is that he shot less than 50% from the field, shots 0 for 4 from 3 and he needed 10 free throws. Simply put, despite Philly overall shooting 53% from behind the arc, they struggled. They only shot 49% from the field. And that is purely the Raptors' paint defence and managing to stop the likes of James Harden and Joel Embiid doing their thing. Now, it's good perhaps I brought Danny Green up there because, of course, he still hasn't received his ring for the 2019 Championship run. You talk about Lowry not playing in Toronto... Danny Green hasn't returned across the border for three years to collect his ring. And it was, again, fitting that he wanted to do it in front of a full Raptors arena. And it just seems overall, I think, that if you go on a bit of a tangent here, that everything's starting to drop in place exactly at the right time for the Raptors. And perhaps metaphorically, these sort of lifting of the the restrictions on stadium attendance and everything, It's just come at the same time that the Raptors have worked it all out, essentially. And so Danny Green, 6 of 7 from behind the arc, scored 18 points. Embiid pretty much laboured to 30. And James Harden couldn't get anything from Gary Trent Jr. who had a wonderful offensive game on his own, dropping 30 points of 12 of 21 shooting. Harden, 3 of 12, 1 of 4 from behind the arc. 15 assists, he was an excellent excellent at dishing it especially for you know corner threes the likes of maxi the likes of danny green tobias harris but couldn't do anything himself and you know you limit philly to 114 points with their defense you're going to win a lot of the time but moving over to the raptors gary trent wasn't the only one who had a great game of course Sakam showing it off again triple double 37 points 10 rebounds and 12 assists on 14 of 28 shooting Didn't shoot well from beyond the arc, but then again, no one from the Raptors really did, with the exception of Gary Trent Jr. Sorry, I digress. Precious Achua did have one of his miracle games from behind the arc. Now, of course, this is a man who never made a three in Miami. He's now shooting over 40% for the Raptors from behind the arc. He has become the floor spacing center we never knew or hoped or could dream of. He's shooting... From the field this year, 41% from behind the arc. It's it's, it's an absolute miracle. I don't know what work he's been doing. Is it a mental thing? Is it a confidence thing? But this game, shooting 5-7 for against Philly, you know, when you're matching up against the likes of Embiid and Tobias Harris and that length, that's a weapon. That's a weapon to carry in the playoffs. You can only hope that he has the mental fortitude to do that. But going back to the uh, sort of elite seven footer Embiid point, it was interesting what Doc Rivers said after the game called it frustrating loss. He said offensively, I thought we lost our rhythm. We lost our pace. Now, of course, teams can go on offensive funks, but more often than not, it comes from the opposition's game plan. And the Raptors just throwing six foot nine player after six foot nine player, elite defenders, whether it's the perimeter or the paint, that sort of rotations are finally, finally coming to play. I don't need to discuss this anymore. The Raptors know how to stop these elite guys. And with the exception of them having a magical night, you would think over a seven game series, the system would come to fruition. The process has been trusted and Nick Nurse may have been vindicated and quite frankly has exceeded all expectations in sticking with the system. He could have easily changed back to the old one, but no, he knew and of course he had less pressure because of the retooling tanking expectations, but he stuck with it through the 14 and 17 opening 31 games, and simply put, it worked. And this uh, this game in particular, perhaps as a microcosm of the Raptors' season, of course, Philly started with a 17-0 run, well, 17-2 run. And the Raptors slowly climbed their way back into it, slowly hunkered on defence, let the likes of Siakam go to work in the second, third, final quarter, you know, And essentially couldn't do anything to stop these Raptors. Now, of course, there were some other games in this run. I mean, Boston we've touched on. Minnesota 125-102 run. It was perhaps the return of and Jr. to form with 29 points. Uh, That was just at the end of last month. Orlando shortly after. We've had our struggles against the likes of Detroit Orlando. Dispatched with ease. Houston last night was a tasty result, to say the least. I mean... um, the likes of Jalen Green came out extremely strong and, and Houston in general and kind a of bossed that first quarter. But eventually, and, you know, we remember that this is a Raptors team who are resting the likes of Van Vliet and OG, uh, you know, giving starts to Armani Brook, giving a lot of time to, like... I mean, Utah Watanabe played for the first time in what is, could be ages. And he got plus 12 on the floor. Uh, his companion, Malachi Flynn, who's... I think safe bet to say will not appear in the playoffs was minus 24 in 11 minutes. And the Raptors overall as we saw saw before 24% from the field 7 of 29 but who was it bailing out? Pascal Siakam. An almost triple-double 29 points 12 rebounds 3 assists short of a triple-double could have made that up with uh, 3 steals. Tadeus Young off the bench veteran experience making sensible shots really I think that's the best way to describe his sort of six of eight from the floor performance. Just sensible, just, you know, high percentage, efficient shots, uh, plus 21 from the floor, 14 points, and really just carry the Raptors over the line. In this one, and, you know, you go against the Knicks tonight, you'd hope that pretty much everyone's rested. Maybe you like let Gary Trent get some reps. Maybe you let OG get some reps. Maybe you let Fred Van Vliet play a couple of minutes. But overall, you'd hope that You know, both teams sort of just put their um, benches out there. Doesn't matter what the Raptors do now. They are locked in at that fifth seed, thanks to the win over Houston. So they'll either be 49 and 33 after tonight or 48 and 34. Either way, with the start that the Raptors had, with the expectations that they have defied, whatever happens now, this is truly a season to be proud of.